Welcome back to your favorite new podcast, Wild Quincy. Chris Ketter's here with Travis Hoffman. Travis, how are we doing? Good evening, Chris. I am doing just uh, fine and dandy. I guess we'll go with that. How about yourself? <laughs> Not too bad. I actually was joking with you before we started about saying this is their favorite new podcast. I think, you know, we have probably a hundred different episodes we're going to work with as we go down the line. Yeah. So we're going to be around for a while as long as everything works out fine. I think in episode like 100, I'm going to stick with that. Your favorite new podcast. Just I'm just going to say that every time. So, no, no. People don't know. There's always someone new, Chris. <laughs> There's point. always someone popping up on the scene and... Why not give them a little excitement and a little thrill for their money? <laughs> Which hopefully well, they'll donate. We hope that this is your favorite old podcast, and we're going to give you an opportunity to uh, to help us with that. But I want to also let you guys know, if, if you're just listening to this on your on our website, on wildquincy.com, you can actually go to iTunes or um, uh, Spotify. Apple Play, Spotify, all those different places. And actually, you can go as far as if you have an Alexa at home, you can say, hey, Alexa, play the latest episode of Wild Quincy. It'll play the latest episode of Wild Quincy on your Alexa. So technology, crazy. But you have all those options to listen. But we do ask that you try to subscribe so you get the latest episode every week. Um, and it helps with our numbers and things like that. And then, of course, I got to throw it out there. You hear it on every podcast. You're going to hear it on this one. But also make sure to uh, rate us and give us a review on uh, iTunes or whatever podcast player that you listen to. And that helps us out with the ratings as well. Right, Travis? And I would, I would say, you know, even more than that, Chris, tell a friend. You know, just to pick up the old uh, the old telephone, give them a jingle, say, "Hey, you need to be checking out Wild Quincy. We got some fun stuff happening here." Pick pick up the rotary phone and give us a That's call. Right. <laughs> Does that still work? Can you plug that in and still work? That yeah, Does I that think still so. Work? I mean, it doesn't work oh. with cell phones, but I mean, it work. It'll still work with the landline. <laughs> Man, yeah, that'll mystify. Wouldn't that kids. be cool? That would be cool. Somebody should come up with a rotary cell phone. Rotary cell phone. Good lord. That would be kind of cool. I think think that's going to be Blackberry's new release. I mean, they're really (laughs) up with the times, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's iPhone 55. The next-gen Razor with rotary. (laughs) A little thicker now. Well, Travis, we have some shout-outs to give, and the first one I want to do is talking about our retro ad of the week that we had last episode, and that had to do with Jappy Dixon. And i got to make a correction first, and I'll let you fill in the people with the details, but uh, I said in the in the podcast I thought his name was Jack. I was wrong. It was Jappy. His yeah, isn't that wild? His name is Jappy. <laughs> it was so funny to get that email, uh, Chris. He, he touched base with our, our wildquincy at gmail.com address, which you can reach out and say hello as well. And he also messaged me on Facebook, and it was such a fun message. He wasn't aware that his dad's ad was going to be in the show. He just knew that it so happens that that Jappy Dixon, his father, and the the used car, the, the car lot rather, um, did a lot of promotional things for the skydiver. So just out of the blue, he decided to check out the skydiving episode, and lo and behold, the throwback ad was his dad's business. Blew blew his mind. It was he said it was hilarious. So what what a serendipitous little turn there because we didn't realize there was a connection yeah. between Jappy and the the Freefall Convention. So it was it was destiny, Chris. Those those uh, were meant to be together. So thanks you, Matt Dixon, for reaching yes. out. Really appreciate you doing that. Yeah, Matt, we definitely appreciate uh, the, the 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 email to send out to us and and let us know about a couple of the misses that we had, and then also letting us know about uh, kind of his back a little bit more about Jappy's background, how supportive he was of the community. So that's cool. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, that episode, uh, you can catch that. That was our episode that we did. I believe was that on yeah the World Freefall Convention. So uh, right. make sure to check that one out if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, Travis. We have this thing called Patreon. We push it every episode. But the cool thing is, is people must be getting really annoyed by us saying it because we're getting new Patreon members. They're caving, Chris. We're getting to them. We're <laughs> chipping away one by one. And then the latest victim of our, our nagging, which we so appreciate, is Ken Ward. Ken, thank you. He joined us at the $5 Medium Jeff special level. So oh. that's good eats and yummy treats for your ears as you can check out the off week of Wild Quincy. See, that's right. 50% of the show is all you're getting right now if you're not a Patreon member. Now, wouldn't you be disappointed if you had a good piece of pie, somebody cut that in half and hit it? I sure would, Chris. So why not get the full piece? Jump over to the website, wildquincy.com. You can find the Patreon link there, or you can go to patreon.com slash wildquincy. couple bucks a month. Skip that coffee next month, Chris. This goes down just as easy. 
Jack Etchard. That's my top 40 radio impression for the week. That was amazing. Oh, wow. While, Man, we're, on the, while we're on the shout-out train, Amanda Van S., another Patreon member, of course, who, mm-hmm. by the way, my, my wife and Amanda are good friends, and she texted a picture to my wife of her daughter wearing a authentic World Freefall Convention shirt. Wow. Which was pretty a pretty cool blast from the past. Her daughter was proudly donning it. And boy, you see that it all just came rushing back. I know I think we both had a couple hats. But at, at any at any rate, Amanda is also part of Quincy Preserves here in town. And part of the things that Quincy Preserves do on Facebook is a segment, I guess you could say, called Wandering Wednesday, where where she pretty much traipses around a random place in Quincy, gets a couple close-up photos, and then it's kind of a guessing game. And she stopped over at St. Francis Church this past Wednesday, and in the the post, she was kind enough to tag Wild Quincy with the link to our uh, St. Francis Fire episode, which was a, kind of a pull for more information. So we really appreciate you the uh, the love there, Amanda. Thanks so much for that, and also for being a patron and and uh, keeping us finger on the pulse of what's going on. <laughs> uh, yes, and- what else is going on? Well, I did want to mention, too, with the Patreon, I do want to give a shout-out, and I hope that you have it in front of you, because I do not have it in front of me, but Evil Girl. We found out what Evil Girl's real name was, and uh, because we mentioned in the last week's episode that we uh, didn't have what her name was. Yeah, Evil Girl, or as we can now refer to her as Kim, we'll... uh... We'll just call her Kim for right now. Uh, was kind enough to laugh, you know, laugh on a recent Patreon post and and say she didn't she uh, didn't put that in the name, but wanted to let us know she does indeed have a name. It isn't just a random evil girl out there. <laughs> Nothing against evil girls. It takes everybody to make the world go round. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so uh, thanks to thanks to her and thanks to all of our Patreon members. And by the way, uh, just check that out because we got a lot of cool stuff on there. We don't talk. We're a lot more laid back. There's not as much formality in, in what we're doing with Patreon. So make sure to Check that out. Travis, we're getting ready to release a merchandise store coming up pretty soon, which is pretty cool. Uh, We're not ready yet for money here. Travis, you're doing all the background work, but we're getting close to it, right? That's right. It's coming up soon, Chris, probably within the next couple weeks. But as a little tease to that, and as a way to kind of grease the wheels a little bit on getting that social network uh, firing off, we want to give away a t-shirt. And maybe you'd like to receive a t-shirt. It's pretty easy how to do. Now, between now and April 20th, we need you, if you want to be a part of this contest, to go on to Facebook and enc- make a post on Facebook just encouraging your friends and family who are either from Quincy or grew up in Quincy uh, to check out Wild Quincy. And in doing so in this post, you need to tag our Facebook page. And I know sometimes not everybody's super savvy on the old Facebook. It's a pretty easy thing to do. All you have to do is to start, you have to type the at sign within Facebook on mobile or on your desktop, and then start typing in Wild Quincy. And as you start typing, you should see Wild Quincy pop up as an option. Just click on that, and then that will let us know that you said check out Wild Quincy, and effectively that's your entry into the contest. So between now and the 20th of April, we're going to see who does that, and we're going to pick somebody out of the hat, and you're going to get a t-shirt. We'll get touch base with you, get the right size and everything. And uh, boom, that easy, Chris. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool because Travis, you've been working on this merchandise page, and I'm looking forward to. Actually, I got. I'm not going to lie. I bought some stuff on there already. <laughs> so, uh, going to be uh, pretty cool to uh, have that merchandise page available. We'll have that for you coming up here in a few weeks. But Travis, are you ready for this question of the day? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the question of the day is this: Which sitting U.S. president is credited with being the first to visit Quincy? There's four options. I'm going to give them to you here in order. Abraham Lincoln, Rutherford B. Hayes, Theodore Roosevelt, or Bill Clinton. Mm. So the question again, I'll give one more time. Which sitting U.S. president is credited with being the first to visit Quincy? Is it Abraham Lincoln, Rutherford B. Hayes, Theodore Roosevelt, or Bill Clinton? Okay, we'll ponder that and uh, revisit at the end of the show, Chris. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll have that for you at the end of this episode. And, uh, Travis, we're going to jump into this uh, episode that we have coming up here. I'm excited about who we have uh, on board. Not so exciting and not so fun about the subject matter, though. And, uh, Travis, you told me before we got started that I probably should give a little bit of a 
an advisory out there for the youngins. Yeah, Chris, it's the subject matter is a little dark. It's very dark, frankly. Anytime we're talking murders and, you know, children involved in multiple capacities. So if you do have younger ears, you might want to put on the headphones for this one. We keep it family friendly as far as uh, what we talk about, but the context and, and the content itself is a little dicey for little yeah, ears. Definitely so. This yeah. is a week's episode. We're going to be talking about the 1995 murders of the McCluskey family. We have that for you coming up next here on Wild Quincy. <laughs> This is Liz, and you're listening to Wild Quincy. Now back to Chris and Travis. Back here on Wild Quincy, and this week we're dropping into a subject that is uh, a little bit, uh, unfortunately, not fun, uh, but we're digging into that crime aspect of our podcast, and I'm glad and proud to be joined by Jennifer McIntyre, who was a former WGEM news anchor and reporter and a fellow co-employee of mine back in the day. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Not too bad. And so we, I got to bring this up, and uh, Travis, I'm going to give you this little background story. Sure. I'm going to put Jennifer on the spot here. So... <laughs> Uh, Jennifer obviously was on uh, the news. She did the 10 p.m. news, and I think you might have did 6 p.m. for a while too. Is that right? Five, yeah. I did five. Of five in the 10, yeah. That's right. So back in the day, um, I was uh, back in the day, actually, they had a camera operator because now it's all digital and they can move all the cameras in the in the in the uh, production area but back in the day there was a person that had to push the cameras around during the newscast and that was my responsibility and jennifer obviously was in front of the camera looking great but uh there was me in the background and so jennifer there was a time where we were doing a uh, 10 o'clock newscast and <laughs> I'm it's, worried. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday night. Do you remember when Powerball used to be on right before the news came on? Yes. <laughs> wow. Blast from the past. <laughs> was this the time we all bought a ticket? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you should have. Um, because it, what happened was it was one Wednesday, Travis. And what we did, I think it was me and Jennifer and Ron Brown was there. And we all would guess what the number was for the Powerball. And so the Powerball comes along, and we all guess, and I guess the right number. And Jennifer gives me a look like, wow, nice. So the next Wednesday comes along, <laughs> same scenario, Jennifer, Ron, and myself is sitting in there, and the Powerball number gets ready to come out, and I shout out the right Powerball number, and Jennifer looks at me like I am um, like a godsend, like <laughs> I need to be picked, uh, picking these numbers out all the time. Do you remember that, Jennifer? I do. <laughs> I feel like it was 30 the first night. Like, I don't know. Um, but do you, were you there when we all bought, it got like, I, I can't remember the amount, but we drove over to Missouri to buy, everybody wanted $5 worth of tickets and Steve Luton didn't want to do it. <laughs> and very end, he was like, oh my God, if you people win by some <laughs> weird thing and I'm the only one at work tomorrow, I'm going to like jump off the bridge. So I'm going to give $5 just in case. We actually all won our $5 back. Hey. Uh, so we, well, we had something going with the Powerball. Yeah. It's always fun. Always a fun time with those Powerballs. I thought Chris was sure, going to so. say he saw like a pre-screened two minutes before of the actual Powerball. I don't Did know. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. Do you have Do you have a, a, any confessions? No, those are live. Okay. Those are okay. completely live. Yeah, they were. So, yeah, they were. no, we couldn't. We didn't. I didn't have any premonition. Well, I did have a premonition, evidently, but you know. So did course. you feel like you need to go buy a lottery ticket? Yeah, and I never <laughs> did. <laughs> But that's probably, right. so probably smart. But. So Jennifer, obviously you were 10 p.m. news, 5 p.m. of uh, what live at five back in the day. Tell us about how you got started in the WGM world and, and kind of give us a kind of background. Well, I grew up just a hop, skip and a jump from here in Winchester, Illinois. Um, my dad just won his third term as mayor Tuesday night. What is today? Thursday? Yeah. So yeah. just a couple nights ago. Um, I went to the University of Missouri uh, to major in broadcast journalism and I didn't know a single person over there. So it was, you know, a little scary, um, cause it was a very big school. Um, and it, you know, 
my kids are graduating high school now and I'm asking them what they want to do. And they really don't know. And I remember back then, I had no idea. And my grandpa, who was a very wise man, he he just kind of threw out there, wouldn't it be cool to be like a Katie Couric or a Jane Pauley? <laughs> and I'm like, it would be kind of cool. Um, and so that's kind of how the whole thing started. Because huh. my grandpa, Prenny, mentioned that, you know, the best journalism school in the world wasn't very far away. So I ended up in Columbia, Missouri for a couple, you know, four years. And then my very first job, uh, actually, I was interviewed by KHQA and WGM on the very same day (laughs) and they both offered me a job but um I ended up at WGM and so there's uh, a whole question about how do you choose (laughs) it was pretty easy (laughs) money yeah Um, yeah yeah. the perks usually usually play in (laughs) pretty good on those (laughs) um well and so many people in the Quincy news world at that time came from Mizzou. It was really cool. Les, Nora, Shan, um, I believe Mark Baker did, Steve Luton. Um, and then we had several after me, like uh, Yonthe Jackson. I don't know if you remember her. Oh, sure, yeah. There were a lot of M- uh, MU people in town. Uh, Carol over at KHQA. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of cool to see all those people um, that had gone to MU before me and after me. Um, you know, come back over and work in Quincy. And I really enjoyed it. I did it for a very long time, you know, 12 years. And then my twins got to be about four or five years old. And, you know, they were going to go to kindergarten and Mm -hmm. I would have been home while they were in school and then gone at night when they were home. So that wasn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Made things change. That's when I jumped into the pharmaceutical world. So. Oh, and that's where you're at today. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, yes. I was wondering, you know, because we, you know, we, you know, it was, it was back in the day. I hate to keep saying that, but it's I been know, a while right? now. But yeah, I was wondering what, uh, what, where, what you ended up doing. We stayed friends on Facebook, but uh, I never really kept up with what happened. So, um, yeah. yeah. So 12 years at WGM, is that what you said? Yeah. 1995 to 2007. Wow. Well, yeah, and it's ironic that it's 1995 because that comes into what we're going to talk about today and i we questioned this uh we'll get into that in a second about if it was your first uh first reporting thing or not but today we're talking about a kid by the name of michael mccluskey and if you haven't heard about this on december 5th of 1995 there was a fire that happened on uh i believe do you remember the street that that was on was it on college Yes, near 7th, 6th and 7th in college, 622 college, I believe is the exact okay. address of the house. So the, unfortunately, it was a fire that uh, killed uh, three people, or actually two, two adults and one child, and uh, things got pretty suspicious on the uh, incidents that happened. And Jennifer, you were said that you weren't there for the fire, but uh, let's dig into the details about this, because uh, it quickly turned into more than just an ordinary fire that happened. Yeah, I didn't cover the actual fire that night, and I don't remember who did, but I did cover the entire two-week trial. So I know a lot of details about it, um, and you know, thanks to good old-fashioned documented <laughs> newspaper <laughs> articles um, to refresh the memory, it, it was definitely um, a troubled family very troubled. The boy was very troubled. Um, He was 14 at the time of the fire. And right away, they noticed that his stories weren't jiving. He was telling way too many stories. He had three different versions of how the fire started. He was the only one who survived. And he had a troubled past. He didn't he wouldn't go to school like he literally wouldn't go to school and they tried to make him um and some say that was what instigated him to start the fire was because um his mom and dad were talking about divorce and his mom was going to move to missouri and she was going to um let him stay at the youth home here in quincy because she had no control over him anymore Mm. and they were scared of him i remember testimony about the mother and father had separate bedrooms and the mom shared a bedroom with a four-year-old and Michael had his own room. 
um, but they would lock themselves in so he couldn't get in there. And they would also lock up their food because they were afraid he would poison them. Wow. So, and he had been to court many times, uh, juvenile court, and he was um, on probation, you know, the night of the fire. So they, they quickly thought this is, and he had no injuries either. He said he jumped from a second story window and they also found some accelerants that smelled like kerosene that were not in kerosene bottles just randomly around the house. One of the things that I found interesting, kind of going back to before the fire happened, and I kind of come across this when I was looking uh, through some of the details, was talking about there was a dropped assault charge on him before this happened because it had something to do with an axe. Do you do you remember the details on that? Um, I don't know the details. I did see the um, report said that he tried to break down his dad's bedroom door with that axe. Wow. And yeah, his, his family was scared of him, mm. um, which is, it's so odd. You know, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors because when the neighbors were interviewed the night of the fire, um, or the early morning of the, you know, mm-hmm. the next day, um, they all said that he seemed to be like a normal 14 year old boy, but we know he, we know he wasn't. Right. I mean, police were called there multiple times and he had been in a lot of trouble. Like I said, wouldn't go to school. I mean, when you have to lock up your food from your child, <laughs> it's pretty scary. Yeah. Something's not quite right there when that happens. Yeah. That's for sure. So do you, so it pretty much was pretty quick. It sounds like that the, the police and fire investigators kind of shifted their thoughts from this just being a normal fire, especially when there's inceler- uh, accelerants involved with it. Yeah. Um, they said that they, they knew really early. Um, Jason Simmons was the youth uh, investigator at that time. And he, you know, interviewed him at the hospital, Michael McCluskey. And he reported that the child said, three different stories. One of them was um, that he was looking for something under the couch with a candle and the candle accidentally caught the couch on fire. Another was, um, you know, the candle rolled under the couch and, and then the couch caught on fire and the curtains caught on fire. I mean, there were three different stories that he was telling. And then he was telling neighbors some other stories. And then in, in the courtroom, when he testified, on his own behalf, he said his dad started the fire. So hmm. multiple, multiple, multiple versions of how this fire started. Jeez. And then, of course, they brought in so many experts and the science was so detailed about the burn patterns. And they talked about it had to be an accelerant because there were two fires. One was on the couch where, you know, he mm-hmm. he kept telling stories about it started near the couch. Well, definitely a fire was started by the couch, but there was also another fire started up on the landing of the upper, you know, stairs. And they had two um, burn patterns that went up. Like um, they said a normal burn pattern would go up and out because that's how fire spreads. Mm -hmm. These were along the wall. Like it was following um, an accelerant that had been spread along the floor. Um, instead of burning up and out like a normal oh. fire. So they knew right away. And, and one of the things with, I think you mentioned it because uh, I found it kind of weird. I did come across one of the articles talking about the about him jumping out of a second story window. And, and it did talk about how I actually came across this quote when in the testimony, it said that Dr. Stuart Pratt testified uh, that he treated McCluskey at Blessing Hospital and he had some cuts to his hands and scrapes to his legs and buttocks and said the youth complained about a tender ankle, but it was not bruised or swollen and he had no cuts, bruises or scrapes on his feet either, which I, so it's so weird. Again, you're looking what time I think this fire started around like midnight or one or two in the morning. Is that early morning? Yeah. 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 And so then, so you really have no proof of where this kid actually did he walk out the front door did he jump out the window what exactly Exactly. happened you know um but i guess it was the neighbors that first saw him um that he went to the neighbor's house first is that right yeah um and the other thing about jumping out the window was the windows were old 
and they had dividers in them, wooden dividers. And he was a larger child and in court, they called him Husky. I always hated that word, but they called him Husky. Um, and they said he could not have fit through that window and it wasn't broken. So they, they said there was just no way that yeah. he could have jumped out of the window that he claimed to have jumped out of. But yeah, he ran across the street to a neighbor and she took care of him, you know, after. Oh, uh, after he was released from the hospital. Yeah. Until his, until he was, you know, arrested. Wow. So. Wow. Wow, so there's that's a lot to it's a lot to divulge right or a lot to learn right there. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the trial. From my understanding, there was some stuff that was thrown out. There was a lot of wit, a lot of testimony. I mean, what he kind of and this is where your your meat and potatoes came in. Were you at the at the trial? Yes, for two 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 full weeks, and there <laughs> were some pretrial hearings. So Barney Beer was the prosecuting attorney at that time. Mm -hmm. And some of the the accelerants couldn't be identified by the lab. And they said that could have been for multiple reasons. Like the accelerant was uh, diluted by the fire trying to be put out um, or the carpet was too badly damaged to even, you know, test it to see if they could find an accelerant. Um, so they couldn't find a specific accelerant that was burned. They did find accelerant in a bottle. Um, it was kerosene oil, hmm. but a dog had hit on a spot that they said was an accelerant and it was on Michael McCluskey's clothes. So there were some issues about can a dog actually, you know, can a dog be used? Um, can that evidence be used in the trial? Right. And then the other issue was the defense, which was Randy Prizzy and, and Jack Adams, <laughs> Jack Adams always cracked me up. I have a story about him, but <laughs> he said, he said that um, Jason Simmons, the police officer should have never taken the clothes from the hospital because he didn't have a warrant. Hmm. Um, but the judge said he could because he, you know, there was no reasonable expectation of privacy for the kids clothes and that he acted in good faith. So they were able to use that evidence. Hmm. So um, it was, a disturbing trial at times. At times it was really boring because I'm not a science person. Right. And when those fire, like arson investigators were talking about the science, I mean, they were going very in depth. Like it, and it was, it took a long time to get through that. Mm. And just, you know, the history of his family. And some say the mother was abusive, the father was a drunk. I mean, and the other thing that was kind of interesting was, you know, the four-year-old brother died, but the 17-year-old sister wasn't there. Yeah. And she she thought her brother didn't do it either. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And she testified that she she didn't think he did it. Mm. But, of course, she wasn't home. And yeah, lucky right. for her, she wasn't. Yeah. I came across a, another article. I was talking. It was kind of – it was the exact opposite for the uncle. I think his name was yeah. Lloyd. And he was very – he was very adamant that he felt that even after the effect that whatever sentence or whatever he was given for his penalty, that that was not enough. Right. So we know that um, he was tried. They, they talked about trying him as an adult, but because of those things we just talked about, Barney Beer didn't feel like he had enough to take in front of a jury because they did have to throw out some of McCluskey's statements made. They did use, you know, a few of them, like some of the d different stories he told, mm. but they did throw out some things that Barney Beer felt like he needed. He also felt like he needed the lab to conclusively say there was an accelerant right here and right here. And they couldn't do that because they mm. couldn't, you know, identify what accelerant it was. And so they tried him as a juvenile and it was a bench trial with Mark Shearing and no jury. So the, you know, the judge is making the verdict and he was 14. So if convicted, he would be released at age 21, no matter what. Mm. And he was. Wow. He lives in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, according to his grandfather's obituary, which was written not very long ago. Hmm. And he's married. 
Wow. Yeah, that brings up a good question. Um, and yeah, there's, uh, I, I, we'll have to ask you later about uh, how the, with V in your first case, how, how crazy this has to be. But it brings up a good question of, and I understand Barney Beer's situation about that he didn't feel like he had enough evidence. But boy, whenever you have three counts of first degree murder, I would almost automatically think in my mind, no matter what, that needs to be a jury trial and he anybody anybody that's in that situation needs to be tried as an adult maybe that's just my personal opinion but i don't know it just seems weird that you know you have three first degree murders and you have uh, you know him being put out as a juvenile and who you only serve in a six-year sentence or not even yeah. a sentence really. I, mean, I thought i was disturbed by that too um and his uncle obviously said that he thought he should have been tried as an adult um, and that would have been the father's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Judy Abbott was assistant state's attorney at the time. She made an interesting statement. And it was true. He he showed really no emotion during the trial. The only time he showed emotion was once he was angry at the judge. <laughs> and another time when Mark Shearing said that he was guilty, he didn't cry then. He didn't show any emotion then. But after everybody left the courtroom... Judy Abbott said that she saw him cry a little bit, but she said that that is just a sign of him feeling sorry for himself because he didn't show any emotion when they showed the horrible video of the family members. And she found it very unlikely that therapy would help him. Hmm. And especially he'd, he'd had a history, you know, at 14, he had a history. So Hmm. when you can kill your parents and your brother, was yeah. there any kind of psychological evaluations that were kind of used as evidence one way or another in that situation? You know, I cannot remember that part. I feel like, you know, I, I read in one of the articles that he was in special education, but I feel like one of the um, counselors was saying he was bored by school because he was smarter than the average really? kid. So I don't know if he had a condition that, Hmm. Maybe they hadn't diagnosed properly. Right. Uh, yeah. It sounds like something was at play. Um, but yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. And they they talked about how um, some of the kids in the neighborhood said that he played to kill and like he wasn't kind to animals. Oh, jeez. I do remember yeah. that. Oh, that's that's yeah. like that's like serial killer like, number like 101 yeah, right were, there. It was it was really scary. Like they said playing with Michael isn't fun because he doesn't play. He plays to hurt you. Oh my. Mm, yeah. Jeez. Wow. Well, and so it bring so Jennifer, you mentioned to me before we before we got on this is that that he was he's no longer living in the area and that he is married now and it really got me to thinking about looking like i did take a minute and that's why i actually where he was where he was located right now um i did take some time to try to look at like any records to see if there was any activity after the fact and i couldn't find anything and i I guess that's a testament of i don't don't know if that's a testament necessarily but i i think that's it's uh either well first of all i thought maybe he changed his name that he wasn't he doesn't go by that name anymore which I guess you can you can get away with, and that may make it harder for us to find anything. Um, but uh, you know, I did wonder: is it possible that he was, you know, uh, reformed in his six years that he went to there? But I mean, we have no way to find out. That's the only yeah, unfortunate thing is that we don't know what happened to him afterwards. I mean, maybe it's a testament of how good the judicial system and the uh, you know the juvenile detention system is that maybe he did get reformed and he's fine he's good now but i find it hard again yeah. having a something again three counts of first degree murder I, I find it hard anybody to come back from that but who knows maybe that was the so case. now that i'm not a reporter anymore i can be unbiased you're right or biased yeah. i can be biased <laughs> um i've seen enough movies to believe that yes it could happen someone can be reformed like it does happen, but I don't believe that I just, just the stuff I heard and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, killing your, your mom and your dad and your brother. I just don't know how you would come back from that, but he did not change his name because the, the grandfather died not very long ago. Mm. Um, I have the actual date somewhere here. Um, and he is listed as Michael McCluskey 
and he's married to a Mandy. I actually tried to find him on Facebook too. You know, everybody goes straight. <laughs> your your journalism your journalism uh, is coming back to you there. <laughs> yeah, Facebook was nowhere around. I remember studying in college my sophomore year, and they were talking about this world wide web and we would be able to communicate <laughs> through computers like everywhere. And I was sitting there like, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> but guess what? But, sure but ironically, look how both of us spent a portion of our day today looking at uh, microfilm yeah. at yeah. the local library. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. I missed, I missed the old stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to find the article. Yep. Wow. So yeah, a lot to digest yeah. there. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say like, it, um, so yeah, as of 2014, which isn't that long ago, he was still going by Michael McCluskey. He's married to Mandy hmm. um, and they live in Portsmouth, Virginia. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, again, I, best case scenario, you hope that, that that turns out well, but you know, I, and I, I don't know. Um, I came across a, a couple other stories Ironically, there was while I was doing some research and I came across another newspaper article that was literally right below an article about uh, Michael had to do about a, a, a boy that was 14 years old, I believe is in Wisconsin, and he shot three kids and they were charging him as a juvenile and um, they were trying to, again, force the whole idea of he should be charged as an adult. So it, was, it came very ironic that... There's other scenarios out there where you have these 14, 15, 16 year old kids that are getting getting this juvenile treatment when again it's it's first degree murder people. <laughs> I mean, come on. I remember Laura Laura Tigas covered the story for the Harold Wig and we were really good friends and I remember her and I just looking at each other like he's gonna get out in a few years. Like because by the time he got to trial, he was fifteen. Mm -hmm. So he spent six years. Um Wow. in the department of corrections but wow well travis this is your first time hearing this story so what's your thoughts uh it's dark i mean you know you read about this stuff and you know there's this and much worse stuff happens every day and and as much as you want it not to happen in your hometown um you know there's people out there that are disturbed and uh it, it was eye-opening i when first when Chris first brought this idea for the story up, I really didn't have much recollection of it at all. Um, and there's really no information about it other than a few Associated Press articles on the internet. So yeah, there's very little on Google. I was yeah. exactly. I was. I was. Uh, you know, fortunately, you you guys did uh, did your due diligence there and and went to the the microfilm. Um, but no, I think it's it's kind of it's a cautionary tale. I mean, you 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 want to try to see the best in people, but you know, there's darkness out there and, uh, it, uh, it makes you hug your kids a little closer and, and, uh, it's scary stuff, but you know, it's part of wild Quincy's past, I guess. Well, for sure. Jennifer, yeah. I, we definitely appreciate you, uh, digging into this for us and, uh, kind of reamping and rethinking some of your, uh, back in your days of beginning days at WGEM. Um, yeah. It's uh, yeah, definitely an eye-opening experience. We'll have more of it on our, our website on uh, wildquincy.com. But Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank well, you. Thank you for inviting me and thinking of me. Yeah. I miss doing stuff like this. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now. They're like, man, I miss Jennifer. Uh, I had That's a right. cute little man at QMG today. Um he sits at the door since coronavirus. Uh, they take temperatures and mm -hmm. they're not really taking temperatures anymore. But he's like, I have just lost you since you left WGM. I said, I've been coming to this building for 14 years. <laughs> he's like, so I just, COVID had to happen before I got to see you again. I'm like, well, ugh, let's not talk about that. But um, yeah, it was kind of cute. But yeah, oh, I get, you know, someone every day usually says something and it means a lot to me because I really enjoyed my time there. Oh yeah. Well, we enjoyed, uh, we enjoyed your time there too. We'll have to Aww. circle back on a more positive note, Jennifer, and uh, and reminisce about some happier times as well down the road here, perhaps. <laughs> that would be fun. Okay, you let me know. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, the time of the unfortunate incident back in 1995. We'll be back right here on Wild Quincy after this. <laughs>
choices, and lots of them. We've got it at Kay's Merchandise at guaranteed low prices. Do over 35 exercises on Weed or Single Stack Home Gym with Stepper. Only $229.97 or Dual Stack for only $279.97. This Wessel Body Shop is an ab, back, hip, and thigh machine with variable resistance and five intensity positions, only $199.97. The Wessel Cadence 905 treadmill has power incline, LCD display, and adjust to 10 miles per hour. Sale $439.97. Choices, and lots of them. It makes Kay's a little different and a lot better. How about that, Travis? I finally found it. K's merchandise. The white whale. The white whale. Yeah, <laughs> one of the white whales. <laughs> That's true. There's a couple floating <laughs> there's, around. There's still one more white whale I gotta track down that uh, <laughs> I'm having a hard time doing. That is a nineteen ninety-five WGEM newscast ad. It was on the ten o'clock news, and it was on November. 21st of 1995 that ad aired Travis I know that because Shan Winston was on the 10 o'clock news I watched the news that night and she talked about how the Dow hit 5,000 for the first time ever so a quick Google search got me to the resolution wow look at that November 21st of 1995 had your detective hat on that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool so yeah that's a cool little ad and by the way speaking of that Travis I gotta give you a shout out because I would not have that ad today if it wasn't for you saying, here, Chris, take these VHS tapes and see if you can find anything. You know, every once in a while, every every blind squirrel gets a nut. And having these <laughs> random VHS tapes of movies I recorded in my, God, probably, what, teenage, preteen years, I would even say. Yeah. Finally paid off, Chris. Who would have thunk yeah. it? Yeah, and it's. It, I will tell you, it's very funny because you, back in the day, or even in today's world, you're more focused, let's say, on the news. You're more focused on the news, and you don't pay attention to the commercials. Right. In my world, <laughs> I'm less focused on the news and more focused on what commercials are playing. That's right. <laughs> it's all perspective. But, uh, Right, right. So, um, but Kay's merchandise, it was around. I want to pull up some information for you, Travis. I remember Kay's clearly. And, yeah. and for some of our younger people, might not remember Kay's at all, but uh, Kay's merchandise was located where the county market is now at 48th and Broadway. No, 50. Uh, Broadway. Yeah, it's at the one of the last intersections going out of town there. Yeah, the county for the market. Interstate. The only yeah. county market in that neck of the woods. Yeah, and we, we did decide, we both feel pretty confident that the county market building is the same building that Kay's Merchandise was actually in. I think right? you're right, Chris. We, we went back and forth, and I think that's where we landed. But you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it by going in. It's, it's so hard to believe that that was the same place. Yeah, it was. Uh, the, so the K's merchandise there in Quincy actually opened up in 1981. It was the sixth store in that chain. Now, this K's merchandise is a Midwestern uh, store. Uh, there were 17 total locations in five states that were all centered around the Midwest. It was technically. Uh, you know, kind of the first big box stores uh, for for this area because they were what they considered a catalog style store. But you you know you had stuff like J.C. Penney's and things yeah. like that. But this one was a little bit more different than those those types. Unfortunately, as with all the companies, most of the companies that we talk about, they did obviously they're not there today. And uh, a story from back in 2006 said that uh, the company invested tens of millions of dollars in hoping to sa- for sales to rebound, and it just simply did not materialize. So back in 2006, they had 67 full-time and part-time employees that were working in the Quincy store uh, that were, uh, let, were let go when the company closed. They had a liquidation sale, and um, yeah, so that is about uh, it for case. Travis, you have any memories? Boy, I just remember that store so well. I closed my eyes and I can just remember navigating through because there was such a variety of stuff, Chris. Like you said, way more than like a JCPenney or something. The electronics section, the toy section, sporting goods, you name it. Um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed that store. It's, a, it's fun to think about that. How about yourself, Chris? I have actually, as you were talking, I had more memories pop into my head. Uh, just the ones that popped in my head, just thinking about this. They used to do this thing where it was a special, like, employee night where certain companies in town they would close K's merchandise down and certain companies in town would have an option for their employees to go and purchase things at a discounted rate. Oh, okay. Um, and it may have even been that the company that you worked for was purchased like paying for some of the costs. I don't remember exactly how that right, worked. I remember right. I did that once or twice when I was in, in like the late nineties. And then, um, I did buy my first, 
a compact disc CD player chain or my CD player for my car. Uh, was that a, a did ni- you have a geo what was geo prism man God, I see it was blue right <laughs> yeah it was uh, a five speed hatchback i love yes. that car miss uh, that car but that's where my s- stereo came from was case they had this big wall <laughs> with all these stereos that you could play with and then of course everybody that's from our time period should always remember the K's merchandise Christmas catalogs. Oh sure, yeah, they used to have stacks that, of those when you walked. That in. was it. That was that was where mm. the that was where the money was made in Christmas time. Good time. <laughs> the presents were made. <laughs> Lots of salivating over the toys section and the all the various things back in the day, Chris. Good times. Yeah. So yeah. we will. Um, I one of the cool things is I after I got through and found a bunch of these ads, we I decided just to go back through that whole newscast because it was a whole 10 p.m. newscast from 1995. I recorded the whole newscast. We'll have that on our YouTube page. So just <laughs> look up uh, Wild Quincy. Subscribe to the, our YouTube page, and you, you can actually watch that video because it's really cool. Shan's on there, uh, as well as Mark Baker is on there. Corey McCloskey's doing the weather, and Steve Luton is doing sports. So it's wow. a, it's a pretty. Pretty cool little heavy hitters there. back in the day yeah man. heavy hitters back then so uh but yeah that was our throwback ad of the day travis are you ready for oh before i get into that um so we want to thank jennifer so much oh for coming gosh, on and yes. talking with us that was so neat and she had so much information we're so happy to have her come on and as we got done talking with her we said, hey, hey, Jennifer, we got this thing called Patreon. Yeah. Interested? And she's like, yeah, sure. So <laughs> she will be on our Patreon episode coming up next week. So make sure to check that out. It's not. It, we'll talk a little bit about the case. I, I know we're going to talk, Travis, about... I still want to get into the idea of talking about juveniles and murder. Like, like the idea of... How is a juvenile have six years in, in, yeah, in a that's so juvenile wild. detention center and get out for three murders? I, mm. So I, I want to get into that a little bit, but we also do the light, lighter-hearted things. Uh, we have a rapid-fire I'm looking like forward we, to yeah. that, the rapid-fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, we gave her a hint of one of them, and uh, she came back with like, well, you're not going to like this answer. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, it's no, good that's stuff. my favorite too. So, uh, yeah, so be looking for that. So she will be on our Patreon episode. Those always come out the following Tuesday, following our regular episode. And by the way, if you're listening to this somewhere down the road in 2030 and you're like, oh, I wonder if that's still there. Patreon's going to be there still. You can go back and review all those Patreon episodes. They're, they don't disappear. So you can And go check, check out the Rapid Fire with Chad Douglas from a previous Patreon episode. Yeah. It was fun to get to see Chad a little bit out from in front of the camera. And you know the the full dimensional human being, and not just your your TV guy talking about pizza. He had some questionable uh, things on pizza too, if I remember. I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah. giving a little away on the Gen- the Jennifer side, but uh, no. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's all right. Thanks so much, Jennifer, for joining us. That, that yeah. was a very informative and uh, question. You know, just a scary subject matter, yeah. but really well uh, communicated. And I will tell you one of the, the crazy things about this. It was front page headlines for about a week and then after that when when he went to trial and had all this pre-trial stuff it never hit the front page again it was always a back page or somewhere buried in there so it's interesting how how quickly the the mindset and how quickly the importance of that case shifted and one of the things i didn't mention i will bring up real quick travis is that crime rates in the like 95 96 time frame in quincy were insanely high more so than they were today Hmm. for some reason there was some crazy thing going on in that time period where crime was was a horrible thing going on in quincy in 95 96 so um so and i think that might had something to do with why that story didn't make the front page as much as it probably should have back in those days so that's it but yeah again thanks jennifer that was awesome to have her come along and do that and i I, we actually told her if she has any ideas for future episodes that she can come back and definitely uh, do that again but travis now we're ready for that question of the day so our question was this which sitting u.s president is credited with being the first to visit quincy your options are abraham lincoln rutherford b hayes theodore roosevelt or bill clinton travis Mm. what is your thoughts well i'm wondering if you have some trickery involved in your question (laughs) chris when you said sitting president Uh, i know lincoln was definitely through here when he was running for the Senate, I believe, with uh, between him and Douglas in the debates. However, I'm trying to remember if he made it back a couple times as president. 
he had a lot of friends here, several friends in Quincy, so I could see him coming back. But of course, we all know the big Bill Clinton when he came to town, and that was so right. monumental. I'm between Bill and Abe right now, but I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna trust my gut, and I'm gonna say Abraham Lincoln, Chris. What was your second choice, Bill Clinton? What was your third choice? Oh my gosh, <laughs> boy, this was man. You made it, you, you sound like you had a softball here, Chris. Um, uh, you said Rutherford B. Hayes. That's the only other one I remember. And that would be the correct answer. Rutherford B. Hayes. What was yes. old Rutherford B. Hayes doing in Quincy? Do you know? Uh, he was here for a visit. He uh, it was actually I think he came through on a train and uh, did a did a little did a little stand up thing and then took off pretty quick. He, I can't remember if he was the one that had supper here in town and then took off or if that was a different one. But here's the deal, Travis. All those people have been here at some point in time. Okay. Uh, I, did to give you a little bit of trickery. Abraham Lincoln obviously was here, but he was never here in, as a, president. In a, as well, he might have been here as president, but never in an official oh, stance. Like he was never see. here officially. Whereas uh, Rutherford B. Hayes was here in 1879. Theodore Roosevelt, which was your third option, was here in 1903, and Bill Clinton was here in 2000. So, so Rutherford them, B. Hayes, the all first, kind of were here. The first Rutherford <laughs> yes. B. Hayes. So I'm thinking presidents now, but this is a tease, of course, to what's happening in our next show. I know we're not talking about presidents, I don't think, Chris. So what are we going to be talking about? Well, we're back to the fun category, Travis, oh. and this is definitely going to be a fun one because we're going to talk about Gym City first. And you're questioning, what the heck does that even mean? Well, that means we're digging in and, and having some fun here. We're going to bring in our special guest as Rodney Hart is going to be coming in and joining us as a co-host for this next episode. And we're going to be talking about anything first. It can be the first president, the first sitting president. It could be the first skyscraper. It could be the first tornado. Anything with the word first in Jim City. The first food delivery service. Right. I mean, it runs the gamma. It's going to be rapid fire. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn so much. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, Chris. I, don't know about I am you. too. It's going to be a great episode. So be looking for that coming up in a few weeks. Travis, I think we got it all covered. Chris, that's right. Always be sure to check out wildquincy.com. Our show blog there has some other goodies. Be sure to give us a shout on the comment line if you're so inclined. 612-666-9453. That's 666-WILD. Uh, you can also email us, wildquincy at gmail.com. Let us know how you're doing. We, we very much want to hear you. This isn't a one-way uh, street here. Let's hear what you got to say. Love to see you on Patreon, Facebook, or Twitter. Don't hesitate to say hello or let us know how we're doing or how we can do better all right well for travis hoffman i am chris ketters you've been listening to wild quincy we'll see you next time take care everybody